you're listening to the Pursuit of Christ podcast, where we are passionate about developing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ by taking the truths of Scripture and applying them to everyday life. We hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged as we examine God's Word together today. Morning, and welcome to our study on uh, in the book of Proverbs this morning. Very grateful that all of you have the uh, ha- have joined us and have the opportunity to log in and listen on this Monday morning. I trust that you had a good weekend together with uh, with your community of faith and worshiping the Lord. And I trust that you had a good weekend in the Word of God and uh, surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ. And this morning, I'm I'm grateful to have the opportunity to open up the text of Scripture and look at the Book of Proverbs with you. And today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter six, and we're going to look starting in verse sixteen. The text says this, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, When I was looking through this, and and Pastor Will's out of town this week, he's with his boys at a camp. We're grateful that he has the opportunity to get away. When he assigned me this text, and I had the opportunity to sit down and look at it, I, I wrestled through how to break this text up most effectively. And I just decided that I'm going to take one day each week, or one day uh, this week, and I'm going to discuss one of these abominations, one of these sins that is listed, and I'm going to discuss one sin each day this week. And so today we're going to start with a proud look. Literally, in the Hebrew, what this means is haughty eyes, an individual that has haughty eyes. But before we talk about that, I do want to come back to verse 16. It says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination unto him. That word abomination is interesting because it's used uh, It's used over 20 times in the book of Proverbs and it's used over 100 times in the Old Testament. And normally it describes anything that is uh, morally repulsive. It describes anything that's morally repulsive. So let me give you a couple of examples of things that are described as abominations in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 21, In verse 26, we see that idolatry is listed as an abomination. So giving worship to something that is not God. In Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 22, the sin of homosexuality is listed as an abomination. In Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 31, we see that human sacrifice is lumped into this list. And in Deuteronomy 18 verses 9 through 12, occult practices are also listed as an abomination. And so then when we come here to the book of Proverbs in chapter number 6, and we read that these sins are abominations, we should understand the category that God lumps these things into. These sins are serious. And yet sometimes in the busyness of our own day-to-day, We can let these things slide in our own life. We can allow them to gain a foothold. We can allow them to gain traction. Not, And it's almost as though we don't understand or appreciate the seriousness of these sins. Now, I'll be honest with you. I I don't do this perfectly. I don't do any of these perfectly. So as I was studying and preparing for this, the Lord has been convicting me and working me over a little bit, preparing me to share this with you today. So I trust that this will be a challenge for you, that it will be a blessing to you, and that it it will encourage you in your passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's look. Verse 17, it talks about a proud look, haughty eyes. Pride, right? So pride is a serious issue. Why is pride so serious? Because what pride does, what really makes it uh, so dangerous, is pride sets us up against God. We are ascribing worth to ourselves, when in reality, God is the one who is deserving of worth and glory. This is why the Bible tells us that God resists 
the proud. In fact, Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan preacher, said that pride is the most hidden, secret, and deceitful of all sins. So the question then is, what does pride look like in our own life? Well, pride is interesting because it can take a number of forms, right? So if you if you know anything about the Transformer movies, right? So all of a sudden you have a car that it, uh, it morphs into, right, this alien robot, right? So you have something that looks like something and it manifests itself as something else. And pride does the same thing in our own life, right? It can take on a number of different forms. It can show itself in a number of different ways. Let me give you a couple of examples. First of all, when we think about pride, kind of the the classic example that we think of is self-exaltation. I call this the Casey at the Bat complex, right? Are you familiar with the story of Casey at the Bat? So Casey comes up and and uh, and the Mudville they have they have men on base. Casey comes up to bat. He's the winning run, right? In that famous poem. And Casey takes one strike, he's whistling. He takes another strike and he's whistling. The pitcher winds up and he throws that third one and everybody in the stadium knows that Casey's going to get a home run. And we know that that is a lesson on pride because Casey swings and he misses, right? And uh, there was no joy in Mudville for Mighty Casey has struck out. But when we think about self-exaltation, Casey comes up, he has that big head, he's puffed up, everybody's cheering for Casey because he's the man, he's the man. That's self-exaltation. And that's kind of the classic example that we think of when we think of pride. But there's also self-promotion. When we say, look at me, look at me, we want attention. Maybe we're good at something. Maybe you're good musically or athletically or whatever the case is, right? But we say, look at me, look at me. We see that a lot in professional athletics today. And not only that, but there's also this idea of self-justification, right? Where we feel like we are in right standing before God because of the things that we do. This is the complex that the Galatian church had right, in the book of Galatians. So they were saying, look, as long as you keep the law and are circumcised, you are right before God. And Paul says, look, it's nothing about you. It's all about the grace of God. It's all about the grace of God. So pride can build up self-promotion, self-exaltation, self-justification, but but pride can also tear down. And we see this in this idea of self-degradation, self-degradation. I call this the Eeyore syndrome. Okay, so you know the, 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 the character Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Right? He's always walking around. He's like, oh, man, nothing's ever the way I want it to be. Woe is me. Right? And so I think we've all experienced Christians that at some point you walk around them and it just makes you want to pull your hair out to be around them because they're always walking around saying, woe is me. Right? That's self-degradation. Why do we do that? Well, we do that to try to get attention. So we can try to get people to come around us and say, oh, it's okay. Right? And, and, and we're pulling ourselves down in order to get that attention that we crave. But not only that, we also see self-demotion, where we walk around and where self-promotion says, look at me, self-demotion says, oh, I'm the worst. I just, I can never be good at that. Oh, man, I'm just so terrible at this. Right? Why? Because we want people to come around us and put our arm around us and build us up. But not only that, we also see self-condemnation. And this is trying to hold ourselves to a standard of perfection and struggling and passing judgment on ourselves when we don't achieve that. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, your sins are paid for and they're covered. And it's not about your standard of perfection or anything that you're trying to attain. It's all about the grace of God that is working for you and in you and through you. Okay, But we see that pride manifests itself in these different forms. So the common denominator, you look at all of these forms of pride, the common denominator is self 
preoccupation. So it's an individual that cares about and is interested in and focused on themselves, themselves. And if you were to go, we won't take the time this morning, but if you were to go read Isaiah chapter 14, you would say that this is the quality that Lucifer exhibited before the Lord kicked him out of heaven. Right? He says, I, I will be like the most high. Okay, so self-preoccupation is the common denominator in all of these various forms of pride. So how do we fight pride? How do we fight it in our lives? How do we not manifest this abomination of haughty eyes in our life? Well, I think we have to fight pride with humility. Because humility at its core, it delights on being dependent on God. If you were to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, and verses 5 through 7, and you can go read that on your own time. Do some Acts 17, 11. Make sure that what I'm telling you is accurate. Okay, but I think that humility delights in being dependent on God because in that text, humility finds grace in God's eyes. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says that God resisted the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So those who are humble find grace in the eyes of God, but it forces us to be dependent on the grace of God. But not only that, but humility also camps itself under the mighty hand of God. That's 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will lift you up. Okay, so humility puts itself underneath the mighty hand of God. And humility also gives away our cares to God. That's 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you don't know what to do, you're struggling with anxiety, you're looking around going, I can't get this all done. Give it to God. Casting all of your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. But that takes humility. But we fight pride by being dependent on God. We humble ourselves, throw ourselves upon the mercy and grace of God. Now we have to ask ourselves a question because sometimes we've talked about the self-degradation, the self-deprecation. So sometimes, right, we look at somebody and they say, oh, well, I'm just not very good at that. I'm just not that. And we think, man, that's a really humble person. But sometimes in our heart of hearts, okay, we can be engaging in self-degradation, being self-preoccupied rather than being authentically humble. So how do we know the difference? How do you know if you're genuine, gen, uh, exhibiting genuine humility or whether you're engaging in self-deprecation? Well, I think that the answer is this. Humility demonstrates a position of self-forgetfulness, while self-deprecation is obsessed with tearing ourselves down. So again, one is focused on self-preoccupation. One is worried about forgetting ourselves and focusing on God and focusing on others. Okay, so where is your focus? Is your focus on you or is your focus on God and is your focus on others? That's the question. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. And I think that that is an apt quote. Okay, and, and when, we, when we take into consideration, when we focus on the glory of God, when we focus on the person of God, and when we focus on taking God and, and, and to other people, okay, the Great Commission, we become less preoccupied with ourselves and more preoccupied with God and the mission that he's given us to go reach a lost world for Jesus Christ. So let's talk very simply about putting your pride to death. Okay, so you fight pride with humility. How do you kill pride in your own life? First, recognize that pride was crushed at the cross. So God's glory and man's pride collide at one of two places. Okay, they either collide in hell or they collide at the cross. You will either pay for the sin of your pride in hell or Jesus Christ has paid for your sin of pride at the cross. So your pride, okay, and 
uh, God's glory and your pride will meet, but they'll meet at one of two places. Either Jesus will pay for it or you'll pay for it. And if you're in Christ, Jesus has already paid for your pride. When we see the cross rightly, when we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and we recognize who we were when we were proud people, when we realized that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we recognized that we were underneath the wrath and the condemnation of Almighty God, when we recognized that our pride caused us to rebel against and be actively working against God. And then in verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, our pride, he has quickened us together and raised us up to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So recognize that the cross of Jesus Christ crushes your pride because Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for it. Okay, but not only that, we recognize that our pride needs to be put to death daily. Remember that God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. Remember that? God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. Why? To keep him humble. And God says, look, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. But Paul's weakness demonstrated the glory of God and the grace of God. And it kept Paul humble because he couldn't do it in his own strength. Couldn't do it in his own strength. We need to see our great need for God to experience the great grace of God. Okay, so we need to experience Oh, we need to recognize our great need for God to experience the grace of God. When you have a deepening dependence on God, that is a genuine mark of true spiritual maturity. Okay, we don't get better and our pride goes away. Okay, our pride is part of our indwelling sinful nature. We have to fight it all the way. There's this is jungle guerrilla warfare to put our pride to death. So we don't get better and our pride goes away, but rather our deepening dependence on God demonstrates our spiritual maturity. And as we recognize that we can't do it, we humble ourselves and we put ourselves under the mighty hand of God, right? And then in due time, God exalts us and God will lift us up. So I think we can see here that at its core, pride is a worship issue. Because what happens is we can't think about ourselves less without thinking about something else more. So look, if you're here and God is here, right? You can't just think of yourself less. You have to think of something else more. Those two things work in unison. And so as you think about God more, you will naturally think of yourself less. And as you engage in the mission that God has given you to take the gospel to others, you will think of yourself less. So the question is, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about yourself? Or are you thinking about God and the mission that he has given to us to go and reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Also, we need to recognize the fact that God has adversaries, the world, the flesh, the devil. Okay, God has adversaries, but he is without rival or equal. And we need to realize that God alone is worthy of our worship and praise. Again, when we focus on God, we focus on ourselves less. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. Okay, that's the picture here. And when Jesus Christ increases in our lives, you and I decrease. It's not, it's about self-forgetfulness, okay? It's genuine, authentic humility as we focus on God and then engage in the mission that he's given to us to go and reach others with the gospel. As you and I passionately pursue after Jesus Christ, and as you and I actively engage in the work of the Great Commission, we put our pride to death. As we work on self-forgetfulness by embracing the glory of God and passionately pursuing Jesus Christ, and going and reaching others with the truth of the gospel. I read this quote and I wanted to share it with you as we close. God's children cannot be ambivalent about pride. 
We must hate it and hunt it down until it's dead. The good news is that God's grace in us, his children, will kill pride decisively, progressively, and ultimately completely. Okay? So I hope as we look at this today, and this is why I felt like I couldn't cover all of these abominations in one lesson. Yeah, there's a lot here. And so as we think about haughty eyes, as we go out and engage in the week ahead, I pray, I pray that you will passionately pursue after Jesus Christ and engage in the mission that he has given you to share the gospel with others. And as a result, you will fight against your pride and work hard to put it to death this week. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If this episode was a help to you, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.